Welcome to the Pardes Moshe podcast. As we approach Purim, I want to focus on something unique pertaining to Megillus Esther. I've titled it The Eternity of Megillus Esther, colon, A Uniquely Eternal Message. Let's start with a novel statement in the Talmud Yerushalmi, Tractate Megillah, Chapter 1, Section 5. Rabbi Yochanan Amar says, Rabbi Yochanan, Hanavim v'aksuvim asid in lebatl. Eventually, during the Messianic period, the prophets and the ksuvim, which is the Megillus, will become obsolete. However, Hamisha Sifri Torah, the five books of the Torah, ain't an asid in lebatl. They will never become obsolete. And what's the source that allows him to make this statement? He quotes the Pasuk in Dvarim, Perak Hay, Pasuk Yotes, 519. The Torah talks about Aser Sedibris and refers to Kol Gadol Veloyosaf. The Aser Sedibris are characterized as a large sound Veloyosaf. Veloyosaf means it never ended, it never ceased, it continues. Rab Shimon ben Lakish says the following, he says, Af Megillus Esther, Eina Betela. Megillus Esther, just like the Chamisha Chum will never become obsolete. And he quotes a similar phrase from Megillus Esther. Megillus Esther says, V'zichram, in the memory of those miracles, Lo Yosuf Bizaram will never end. So just like the Torah used the term Lo Yosuf regarding the Sarah Sadibris, likewise, the term Lo Yosuf Mizoram will not cease from their descendants regarding Megillus Esther is taken by Rabshim ben Lakish to mean that it's in the same category of Chamishuchim Satorim. A similar variation is in the Medrash Rabbah on Mishle, chapter 9, section 2. The Medrash says, Kol Adim Asidim Betelim. In the future, in the Messianic period, all our holidays will cease to exist. They will become defunct. However, Yemei HaPurim Einem Betelim Oilem. The holidays of Purim will never become obsolete. He quotes a, rel- a similar Pasuk. It says, Vimei HaPurim the end of Megillus Esther says that the days of Purim, the holiday of Purim, uh, will not cease. Um, interestingly enough, Rabbi Lezer adds, Af Yom Kippurim in a bottle. Yom Kippur also, the Day of Atonement, will never become obsolete. Um, as an aside, there's a whole comparison between Purim and Yom Kippur. Yom Kippurim is dubbed to mean the day like Purim. Their commonality is Interesting, and has received a lot of commentary, but that's for another occasion. The Rambam, in his halachic treatise, Yad HaChazaka, on Hilchas Megillah and Hanukkah, the laws of Megillah and Hanukkah, chapter 2, Halacha Yudches, the 18th verse, says the following, paraphrasing the, the Yerushalmi that we started with, says the Rambam, call Sifre 
So Rambam specifies that when Rabbi Yochanan in the Talmud Yerushalmi used the term Asidin, some futuristic period, the Rambam interprets that to mean the days of Mashiach. He says they're all going to become obsolete. However, Megillus Esther will remain just like the Chamisha Chum Shatayra. It's paraphrasing the Talmud Yerushalmi. question is, how is that possible? The Ravid, a frequent critic of the laws of the Rambam, said, takes him, takes him to task and he says, uses almost a derogatory term, Amar Avram, this is the talk of, of a simpleton. There's there's no way that any of the Nevi'im, the books of the prophets or the Ksuvim, will ever become obsolete. There'll always be something to learn. There's always some lesson from every text. So he says, perhaps, maybe the, the Talmudic statement, which he was obviously aware of, means that perhaps they won't be read publicly as an obligation. Megillah, Megillah Esther will still be read publicly. And he doesn't explain why. The Torah Mimus cites the Rambam, and he says a unique interpretation based on something he heard from his father. The Torah Mima is Rabbi Baruch Alevi Epstein, he quotes his father, Rabbi Yechiel Michal Epstein, who was famous for writing the Aruch HaShulchan, which is also a Kabbalist, a, a halachic discourse. He said, perhaps what's unique about Megillus Esther in contrasted with the other text and what's unique about Purim in contrast to the other holidays, he said the holiday of Purim, it, we're celebrating what's called a Nes Nister. It's not a, it's not a Nes Golu. Nes Golu means an open miracle, such as those that we had in Mitzrayim, the plagues, the splitting of the sea, where Hashem changed nature. However, if you read the Megillah, the entire sequence of events unfolds in a seemingly natural way. Of course, if you read the end, you know the purpose of the beginning. But while we're reading the beginning, which is why it must be read sequentially, uh, it's like coming into the second half of, of, of a film and then seeing the plot and it renders the first half meaningless. So clearly, HaKadosh Baruch Hu prepared the salvation. However, as the tragedy and the edict to annihilate all the Jewish people in the kingdom of Hashverish, this 127-nation empire, um, seems to be unfolding in a natural way, almost like a political process of power, a queen is killed, a Jewish queen gets into the, the palace, Haman is promoted, he issues a decree, the king goes along with it, Mordechai unites the Jewish people, 
Esther unites the Jewish people, they pray, they undertake fasting, and then the decree is overturned. The process, though, seems to be happening through a natural political mechanism or machination. So the Torah Mimah's position is what's unique about Megillus Esther is that that statement of the holidays and the other texts becoming obsolete is because there will no longer be an experience of public nisim, nisim gluyim, miracles that change nature. However, all the miracles that we will experience through the days of messianic era are hidden miracles, hidden within nature. So that's a beautiful interpretation. I want to extend this in, in yet another novel way and perhaps build on the following. The Talmud Bavli and Masechtas Megillah, page 14a, states the following. There's a verse in the Megillah which says, Vayasar HaMelech es Tabatoi. The king, Achashverosh, takes off his signet, which is the seal of the king, and he gives it to Haman as he presents his proposal to Achashverosh annihilate the entire Jewish population from his empire. Essentially, he is acquiescing. That's what's represented by his taking off the signet. Says the Gemara, Amr of Abba Barkahana, he interprets this verse to mean the following. He says, tabas This taking off of the signet where Achashverosh concurs and acquiesces, essentially seals and buys in and authorizes Haman's decree, <clears throat> ended up having more positive consequence for the entire Jewish people, more than the 48 prophets and the seven prophetesses. There were 48 male prophets and seven female prophets, the Jewish people over the generation. Why? Because, continues the Gemara, in the final analysis, all these prophets and prophetesses really were not successful in turning us around. And therefore, we merited the destruction of the temple and exile and so forth. However, that threat, that fear of annihilation, signified, embodied by, and symbolized by this signet, this ring, so sometimes we needed the threat of this tragedy, and that ultimately turned us around. So we see from here that certainly indirectly, part of the process was something positive in this mechanism, in this threat. Rabbeinu Yaakov Lorberbaum, he was a famous Rav in Lisa, also known for a lot of halachic svarim, like Nesivas, also has a pirush on Megillus Esther called Megillus Starim. It's actually reprinted in some of the older versions of the Mikros Gdolos. And in his introduction, he poses an amazing idea. 
But first he presents a question. It is our custom to imbibe on Purim to the point where we don't know the difference between Ar Haman, that Haman is to be cursed, and Baruch Mordechai, that Mordechai is to be blessed. So he asks an amazing question. First, getting drunk is, is ordinarily not an optimal modality that leads to other problems. Um, furthermore, how come only on Purim have our sages put forth this halacha, this custom to say Aruhaman, that Haman is cursed and Baruch Mordechai. We don't do this in other holidays. We could have conjectured up a song, Aruparoi, Baruch Moshe, Paroi is cursed, Moses is blessed, and Hanukkah, the perpetrators are to be cursed, the Hashemunah are to be blessed. We don't see that. It's an amazing question. So he says the following. He invokes this Talmudic statement that we just said. And he says the following. There is a, there is a position to perhaps give Haman a shakach to Lord Haman, because indirectly, through his efforts, through this Hasarus HaTabas, a lot of good came out. In fact, Mordechai is occasionally criticized for excessively agitating Haman by not bowing down and so forth. So perhaps at some level, he may have um, accelerated or exacerbated the, 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 the intent, the intent that Haman was going to give, do and carry out for the Jewish people. However, obviously, we know that Haman didn't do that with a positive intent. And Mordechai did do it, obviously, with a positive intent. He did not want to bow down. He preserved his fear of heaven and his spiritual purity. And what happened, though, in the end, through this whole process, they convened the Jewish people, they repented, and we reaccepted the Torah willingly. So the fact is that indirectly, through this entire process, this near tragedy, some amazing good came out. The core of the Yantav of Purim is also stated in the Megillah in chapter 9, Pasuk of Zion, verse 27, Kimu v'kiblu ha-Yehudim, we observed and we accepted. And what does that mean? That Gemara and Shabbos, around page 88, says that Kimu, we accepted, what we already had received in the past. Namely, we re-accepted the Torah willingly and out of love. Whereas in the Midbar, on Shavuos, in Pashash Yisrael, we may have accepted the Torah out of fear, out of some coercion. Here we accepted it out of love. So some remarkable good ultimately came out through this process. So there is a, a position to maybe say, Baruch Haman, to really bless Haman because of all the good that came out. Now, let's take this a few more steps. There's a Gemara in Brachas, Talmud Bavli, Babylonian Talmud Brachas, page 60b, and it continues to 61a, that in this world, anytime there's something negative, tragedy, or death, we make a Bracha Baruch Dain Emes. We bless the acceptance of the negative decree. If there's something positive, we say a tova a So the Talmud says that just like we 
make a bracha on, on the negative, we got to make a bracha on the good. So he says the following, we have to get used to accepting the negative. And a person should say, he quotes Rabbi Akiva, La'oilam adam ragil, la'imar, a person should say, called avid rachmana latav avid. Whatever Hashem does is good, we may not fully know it. Turns out that Tzlach, who's also the Noida Be Yehuda, on this tract at Psachim, page 50a, points to an amazing question which he attributes to the Rif and the En Yaakov. The Gemara says that in the future, everything, all the blessings are going to be only a Tova native. So he asks, well, of course, in the future, there won't be no more negative event. So what, what, what is really so unique about that statement that everything is going to be a tova metiv, that we're only going to make a positive blessing? So he quotes of Ephraim Reicher, the following, that what the Talmud means is that in the future, in the world to come, what we made a dying emis on in this world, what we made a blessing on the negative event, because we need to still accept the decree, we're going to understand its true purpose, that it was also for positive. So in other words, we're going to reframe in the world to come, in the future, we're going to reframe what was perceived as negative, and that's why we gave it the, the negative blessing, the blessing of dying Emmis, which is a mere acceptance in coming to terms with the decree, we're going to make this blessing of Tova Metev. We will understand why it was really positive. Similar to the Purim story, where we understood why the Haman decree, the taking off of the signet, led to certain positive aspects. This, says the Svas Emes, will also be a bridge to the future times. It quotes another Talmudic statement that if we don't repent, Hashem will put forth on us a, a difficult king like Haman, and that's eventually it'll catalyze our unification, which is exactly what happened in the Purim story. They united, the Agdas, they reunified, and then that will usher in ultimately the Geula, the future redemption. So based on this, it's really remarkable. The eternity of Megillus Esther is what's necessary to usher us and accelerate and bring us forth to the final redemption, to the Messianic era. So perhaps what the Talmud means is that all the other holidays will become obsolete, but not except for the holiday of Purim and except for the Megillus Esther, which depicts the Purim story, is because the message of Purim is one of reframing. The message of Purim is one of expressing gratitude even for adversity. That is a crucial eternal message. And perhaps that is the intent as to the eternity of Megillus Esther because it contains this uniquely eternal message. Thank you very much. And the Purim to everyone.